0: So today we're looking at some of the works from the Apocrypha, um, which can show up in, uh, depending on your denomination, show up in your Bible, either um, in the place where it usually sits, or in a study Bible between the Testaments, or not at all. Um, And... um, As we um, we saw with Isaiah, uh, the Septuagint pre- presented problems for the um, Jewish people as the church kind of took over, um, and its interpretation of the Septuagint spread and became what people kind of thought of as standard. Uh, over time, uh, Jewish people turned away from the Septuagint, started suppressing it within Judaism, and uh, saw only the, um, the Hebrew as canonical. Um, and we've talked about this before. So these are books that are in the Septuagint, but in which uh, Judaism rejected, and eventually Protestants, to distinguish themselves from Catholics and Orthodox, rejected it also. And the first one we're looking at in our packet pages 99 and 100 of the packet, is uh, first Esdras, Esdras, which is um, basically Ezra. So it's a uh, Septuagint version of Ezra and pretty close to the uh, Ezra you have in your Bible. After the Babylonian captivity, when Babylon fell and the Persians took over, uh, the Persians had a different idea about how to deal with local tribes and nations that they conquered. And, um, you know, they allowed more local autonomy. And as part of that, they allowed people from the Babylonian captivity to return home. Now, it was by no means even a majority of Jewish people who had been living there for over a generation. And, you know, think if, uh, Somebody came to New York and said, uh, everybody who's Jewish can go back to Israel. Well, we've done that, right? And we still have a lot of Jewish people in uh, New York City. So a lot stayed in Babylon. Uh, the Babylonian Talmud comes from Babylon. Um, there, this is where um, the synagogue developed because they couldn't get to the temple, A, distance, B, destroyed. Um, And um, so the idea of the synagogue emerges in Babylon. It's a Babylonian innovation where you will go. And uh, the center of the worship isn't uh, sacrifice, but rather study of the scripture. And the basic order of uh, Christian services uh, is an outgrowth of the synagogue as well. So you have prayers, you have scripture reading, you have a message, you have singing. Um, so the basic components of what we think of as the modern worship service were developed um, many, uh, millenn- you know, uh, centuries ago in Babylon. So some people did come back. And rep- Esdras and Ezra represent some of those And once they got back, then they wanted to reestablish establish a temple, which was difficult to do. Um, have we done Jonah yet? Hold on a second. I'm recording these out of order, so let's see... Uh, Proverbs, Song of Songs, Jonah. Yes, okay. Uh, So this is a little out of order, but that's all right. Um, You remember in the book of Jonah, there's a debate between xenophobia and xenophilia. Uh, Xenophobia is the fear of the outsider and really the hatred of the outsider. Um, And it's going up against xenophilia which uh, sees the outsider as a child of God too, and therefore worthy of, um, you know, the kind of compassion and dignity that you would show somebody within your group. So it's a, um, xenophobia is a form of uh, tribalism, which is violently rejects people who are not part of your tribe. Um, xenophilia has a more cosmopolitan. Outlook, a citizen of the world is the meaning of the word cosmopolitan, <clears throat> before it was a drink. And so if you're um, a citizen of the world, you see the uh, brotherhood of all people, much more in line with that original insight from the book of Genesis about being your sibling's keeper. Um, so the Jewish folks got back to Palestine and they found people there who were still worshiping God and they totally rejected them. Just, we don't agree with the way you're doing things. We don't know what you've been, you know, who you've been having the sex with since we left. And, uh, the folks locally were saying, we don't know who you had sex with while you were down there in Babylon. Um, and it's this idea of, uh, the impurity of, um, of mixing people of different, uh, um, not really races. They're all basically the same race, but, uh, different, um, different tribes. And so, um, this is the beginning of the split between uh, Judaism and, uh, the Samaritans who are also people who worship Yahweh. Um, and, have their worship more in the northern part of the, where the northern kingdom was back at one time. So, um, the Samaritan you read about in the, um, in the New Testament and the Samaritan woman Jesus talks to, uh, both of these are split off from Judaism because of the reaction when uh, people came back from the Babylonian captivity and folks started rejecting each other. So this isn't even rejecting people who don't worship God. It's just rejecting people who worship God in the wrong way. So there's a lot of harm that grows out of the attitude of xenophobia. You think about all the religious wars between people who are basically... uh, Monotheistic, um, much less the ones where the the religions have a different worldview, but even people within the same worldview and it, sometimes the closer you are to each other in your worldview, the more you hate each other so um, Protestantism in England is a mild reformation of the Catholicism, and yet people in Ireland and even England, if you go back long enough, uh, fought each other for. Uh, well, over you know, several centuries, you know, a split that started with Henry VIII, um, the religious wars in England that started basically on his decision that he made because he needed a divorce. These wars finally came to an end with Bill Clinton. Um, some kind of symmetry there, but it's a long time for religious intolerance based on slight differences uh, in your theology. And we see this uh, pursued with full vigor in the book of Ezra and also Nehemiah and also, of course, Estras. Look at uh, First Estrus 4. Well, let's start with um, 434 because it's an interesting view into the, um, the universe of that period. O ye men, are not women strong? Great is the earth, high is the heaven, swift is the sun in his course. For he compasseth the heavens round about and fetcheth his course to his own place in one day. So in this world, the sun circles the earth. Um, in, as opposed to the other way around. Uh, 4.37, wine is wicked, the king is wicked, women are wicked, all the children of men are wicked, and such are all their wicked works. There is no truth among them, in their unrighteousness also shall they perish. And so here's this full voiced you're different from us, therefore you're going to hell. And you're also wicked, um, because you're different. Okay, 4.43, remember thy vow which thou hast vowed to build Jerusalem. So here's the idea that they're going to try to rebuild the city uh, with its temple. 4.45, thou also hast vowed to build up the temple which the Edomites burned when Judea was made desolate by the Chaldees. Now, um, the temple they're working on will eventually morph into Herod's temple. Uh, Herod takes kind of a rundown remnant of a temple and makes it very splendid. and one of the wonders of the ancient world. Um, And the part that Jesus cleansed was the uh, court of the Gentiles, which is not part of the original temple um, um, design. It was added onto by Herod because as a part gentile he was not allowed to enter into the uh, other parts of the temple so he made this huge area for uh, people who were not jewish at all and then because it wasn't part of the original temple let's sell animals here (laughs) everything's kind of connected Okay, let's skip ahead to First Esdras 8, um, 75. Our sins are multiplied above our heads. Our ignorance have reached unto the heavens. So there is some um, awareness of their own sinfulness. It's just the sinfulness of everybody who's not us is so much worse. Um, 80, verse 80, when we were in bondage, we were not forsaken of our Lord, but he made us gracious gracious before the kings of Persia, so that they gave us food, yea, and honored the temple of our Lord, and raised up the desolate Sion that they have given us, a sure abiding in Jewry in Jerusalem. Now, um, there are certain advantages Jewish people had, especially um, in connection with having synagogues, and Reading the scripture being so important, um, people who could read were in high demand, and it's so it's in the Babylonian captivity that uh, Jewish people made kind of the leap from mostly being farmers uh, to having a lot of scholars. Um, Daniel and his uh, team of you know youths, when they're taken away, very smart young men who the king sees their talent and wants to use that in his kingdom. Uh, And so they are taken to go to school. But it's based on a a tradition of scholarship. Um, Okay. So... um, a couple of short, you know, couple of pages out of Estrus, but this is giving voice to that xenophobia that we uh, saw opposed in the book of Jonah. And here's one of those places where the technology of writing has affected our theology, um, In the day of Jesus, he talks about searching the scriptures. We've talked about this before. Uh, They're separate writings written by different times and by different people. They're in some way canonical. Uh, But there's this expectation uh, that being by separate people, separate times, separate places, that they will have separate opinions about stuff. The Bible is not one book of systematic theology. There's certain themes that are consistent, like the historiography, which is in full view here. Um, but this idea about the outsider, how do we treat the outsider? Um, and you've got very strong messages from books like Genesis, from um from the parable of the prodigal son, the the Good Samaritan, other things like that, um, that are very xenophilic. They love the outsider. They see them as God's children, too, who need to be brought back to the light. Um, uh, Judaism is a beacon to the nations that's going to bring the nations into God. Then there's this other view that... Outsiders are evil. They're sinners. God's angry at them. He wants them to go to hell. He's just holding his finger over the smite button all the time. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. That's very much in the Bible as well, in the scriptures, in these separate books that happen to belong to the library, we call the Bible. Um, And so it shouldn't be a shock when people disagree. And yet. I was certainly surprised to find out that there were um, different theologies within the Bible competing with each other, uh, such as how do we treat the outsider. And Ezra is one of these, you've got to divorce your wives, we're not going to marry the people here that's in this passage. Uh, We're not going to have anything to do with them. We're not going to let them uh, join in our reindeer games or uh, help us rebuild the temple or anything like that. Um, We've got to keep ourselves pure. Um, So it's a very um, powerful ideology, but one that leads inevitably to a lot of conflict and isolation. Um, Plus, how are you going to reach out and be a beacon to the world when you're closed off to yourself like that? Uh, But it's very tempting. It's a very, very um, attractive um, uh, ideology that makes you want to love those who look like you and hate those who don't. Uh, And it's powerful and it's one that much of the rest of the Bible spends a lot of time trying to. Uh, refute. So there's a debate here uh, that's going on, a debate that goes on till this day, in the way that you know people of faith regard people who don't have faith. Baruch is another uh, book in the Apocrypha. As far as we know, it was never originally written in Hebrew, although some people speculate it may have been written in Hebrew and translated into Greek, but the oldest version we have is the Greek version um, in the Septuagint, and it makes its way, although I don't think, um, Ver, uh, Jerome, um, included it in the Vulgate originally it was soon added thereafter and so it's uh, used in the uh, Greek Orthodox and the Catholic churches and the ones that use um, that um, that Old Testament but not in Judaism or in most Protestant denominations. Now the word Baruch means blessed in Hebrew and this uh, work is associated with the scribe of Jeremiah, um, who uh, was named Baruch. So Jeremiah, of course, would dictate his books, but he had a a scribe to write the stuff down. And so the book is therefore associated with the Jeremiah uh, tradition, although apparently it was probably written maybe um, 200 to 100 B.C., so much later than the... um, Uh, the historic time that Jeremiah is usually placed. (coughs) And so um, let's see what Baruch has to say, our little excerpt from that. O Lord, almighty God of Israel, the soul in anguish, the troubled soul, crieth unto thee, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy. Thou art merciful and have pity on us, because we have sinned before thee. For thou endurest forever... And we perish utterly. Uh, so there is um, association with you know, the Jeremiah, ad, the idea of mourning, the idea of people who have gone through a great crisis and are praying to God that he end it. O Lord Almighty, thou God of Israel, hear now the prayers of the dead Israelites and of their children, which have sinned before thee and not hearkened unto the voice of their God. Thee, their God, for the which caused these plagues cleave unto us. So um, once again, we see our familiar by now uh, Hebrew historiography, the idea that people sin and God smites and then they repent and God restores, or they hope God will restore at this point. Remember not the iniquities of our forefathers, but think upon thy power and thy name now at this time, for thou art the Lord our God, and thee, O God, will we praise. And for this cause thou hast put thy fear in our hearts, to the intent that we should call upon thy name, and praise thee in our captivity, for we have called to mind all the iniquity of our forefathers that sinned before thee. Behold, we are yet this day in our captivity where thou hast scattered us, and a reproach and a curse, and to be subject to payments according to all the iniquities of our fathers which departed from the Lord our God. Hear Israel the commands of mints of life, give ear to understand wisdom. What happened, how happened it Israel that thou um, art in thine enemy's land Thou art waxen old in a strange country, and thou art defiled with the dead. That thou art counted with them that go down to the grave, that thou hast forsaken the fountain of wisdom. For if thou hadst walked in the way of God, thou shouldst have dwelled in peace forever. So, um, this is an idea which is uh, very ancient, but still quite popular, that any trouble we have is because we have sinned. Um, and of course uh, Job runs counter to that he doesn't think he sinned and you can suffer for being good rather than for being evil but in this uh, approach uh, the bad things that are happening to you are because you somehow failed morally and if you just repent properly uh, God will restore you for um, Learn where is wisdom, where is strength, where is understanding, that thou mayest know also the length of days in life. Where is the light of the eyes and peace? Who hath found out her place? Who hath come into her treasures? Where are the princes of the heathen become? And such as rule the beasts upon the earth, they that had their pastime with the fowls of the air, they that hoarded up silver and gold, wherein men trust, and made no end of their getting. For they that wrought in silver and were so careful, uh, and whose works are unsearchable, they are vanished and gone down to the grave, and others are come up in their steads. So uh, here's this message of judgment um, and possible forgiveness. Our next uh, thing is the Epistle of Jeremiah, which in some versions I think shows up as a chapter in uh, Baruch and sometimes is... Uh, independent, but it also is late in Greek, um, and part of the Apocrypha. A copy of an epistle which Jeremy said unto them that were led captives into Babylon by the king of the Babylonians, to certify them as it was commanded him of God. Because of the sins ye have committed before God, ye shall be led away captives into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylonians." So when you come unto Babylon, you shall remain there many years, and for a long season, namely seven generations, and after that I will bring you away peaceably from thence. Now shall ye see in Babylon gods of silver and of gold and of wood, borne upon shoulders, which cause the nations to fear? Beware, therefore, that ye in no wise be like two strangers, neither be ye... uh, um, Neither be ye and of them when ye see the multitude before them and behind them worshipping them. But say ye in our hearts, our O Lord, we must worship thee. For mine angel is with you, and myself caring for your soul. So we're in a um when you're in a, a country and you can you own the state, you control the state, then you can Uh, control the religions that way. But here they are in another state that they don't run, that they don't own, that uh, has a a king who is um, following the other religions than Judaism. So they will have to maintain their Judaism in the midst of other people without this time killing them all, as uh, was their goal when they went into Israel, uh, the promised land. Instead, they're going to have to Learn to get along with people without actually going along with idolatry. So that's going to be the trick. And if you want to see this um, described um, in pretty good depth, look at the Book of Daniel. As for their tongue, it is polished by the workmen, and they themselves are gilded and laid over with silver. Yet are they but false, and cannot speak. And taking gold, as it were, for a virgin that loveth to go gay, they make crowns for the heads of their gods. Sometimes also priests convey their gods gold and silver, and bestow it upon themselves. Yea, they will give thereof to the common harlots, and deck them as men with garments, being gods of silver, gods of gold and wood yet cannot these gods save themselves from rust and moth though they be covered with purple raiment they wipe their faces because of the dust of the temple there is much upon them so how is this god going to help you if it can't even keep the dust off itself and the birds from using the bathroom on it um now most <sighs> <sighs> People who followed those religions knew the difference between a god and the representation of that god. But um, this is a common Jewish critique of idolatry. "...and he that cannot put to death one that offendeth him holdeth a scepter, as though he were a judge of the country. He hath also in his right hand a dagger and an axe, but can't not deliver himself from war and thieves." whereby they are known not to be gods, therefore fear them not. So you can tell they're not gods because they don't do anything. Uh, They just sit there. And um, the Holy of Holies in the temple stands in contrast to the regular temples that you see because there is no representation of their god. Um, It's basically empty um, because there's no way you can properly represent God. So here's this critique of the idolatry they will see, but also a call to maintain their own devotion to God despite being in a place that is not devoted to God. The rest of our uh, discussion today uh, centers around Daniel Uh, The prayer of Azariah, Susanna, and Bel and the dragon are all uh, parts of some versions of Daniel, uh, originally written in Greek, um, in many Bibles included, in in, in the Septuagint included as part of the text itself. Um, But with... um, Protestants, those sections were taken out of the book of Daniel, the parts that originally were in Greek, and so uh, we'll be looking at Daniel 1-9, through but also the prayer of Azariah, which occurs in 3, and then Susanna and Bel and the dragon, which show up later. So Daniel is the first example in uh, the Bible of what we call apocalyptic literature. Um, We think of an apocalypse today as a giant cataclysm which destroys the world, or at least uh, large parts of it, but originally um, it means to uncover something. to To uh, reveal something, and that's why the last book of the Bible is called Revelation. It's a translation of the word apocalypsis, uh from the Greek. And uh, Daniel and Revelation are the two most apocalyptic um, books by genre in the Bible. Uh, one in the old Christian Old Testament, one in the uh, Christian New Testament. So, there are a lot of visions, a lot of miracles, a lot of um, very. Um, what's the word for it? Symbolic. There's a lot of symbolism that goes on, and you kind of have to decode it to know what's going on. Uh, especially the book of Revelation was written to be hidden in plain sight, so if somebody grabs it and reads it, they won't really know what you're talking about, but once you've broken the code, okay, Babylon is Rome, um, and so you can figure out what it's saying. So let's take a look at Daniel. In the third re- year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, Which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, he brought his vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, uh, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, such as had ability to stand in the king's palace whom they might teach the learnings and tongue of the Chaldeans. So we talked about this earlier that um there are uh, with in Judaism, because of its focus on text, uh there's a lot of people learned to read, especially young men, young boys uh, we're taught to read, and this is a very valuable resource for a uh, budding empire uh, like the Babylons, Babylonians because in order to make an empire work, you need people who can read and write. And so even though they don't know the Chaldean language, they know letters, and, and they're the best and brightest of um, uh, the local um, local establishment, plus there is the hostage element of it as well if um you've sent your kids off to babylon to be well treated and brought into the uh the empire's service it makes it a lot less likely that you're going to get up to something uh back in palestine uh, knowing your kids' lives could be forfeit if you misbehave and so there's you know several reasons for what they're doing. Plus, it's a way of uh, binding the empire together. Um, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years, at the end of thereof, they might stand before the king. Now, there were among these children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's where we get the prayer of Azariah. And to whom the prince gave the eunuchs, uh, the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah of Shadrach, and of Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. So this is your kind of uh, Ellis Island experience where you come through and Ah, uh, the American there can't understand what you're saying your name is, so they give you another name that's kind of close. So, Baruch becomes Bob, or something like that. Um, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So, this is where... Uh, When you're living in Palestine and you have control of the government and everything else, it's kind of easy to keep kosher. Um, Kosher, you're probably familiar, is the uh, Hebrew word for clean. And there are certain uh, foods which are inherently unclean. And any food, any food can become unclean depending on how you fix it. So a cheeseburger... You know the cheese is clean, the meat is clean, but you combine the cheese with the meat, and you are uh, eating the the flesh of the animal along with the milk of its mother, which is makes it unkosher. So no cheeseburgers for you if you want to keep kosher. So Daniel found that if he stuck to the vegetables, it was a closer to being kosher um, than if. Um, than um than the meat, because um this meat, no matter well, you can prepare meat in a kosher way, but uh, typically in uh, the ancient world, uh especially if you were in a uh, uh, polytheistic territory, the meat there would have been uh, killed, but prayers given up to uh, their gods, thereby making the whole animal unclean, no matter how you've prepared it because it had been prayed over uh, um, <clears throat> while you were um, prayed to an idol over it. It's another god. Okay, so uh, he didn't want to eat the meat. Now God had brought Daniel into favor in tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear, my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse than that of the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make meat endanger my head to the king. So he's saying, like so many uh, vegans and vegetarians, people have said to since, oh, but how you stay healthy if you don't eat meat? Um, and of course, the vegetarian slash vegan diet, you do have to make sure you get enough protein, but it is healthier than the stuff people like me eat, because I do not skip the cheeseburger. Um, Also, we see here a basic decency on the part of the uh, Gentiles, uh, many of them. There are bad Gentiles that we will meet in the book of Daniel, but there are also decent ones. Who want to help out God's people, and um, so Daniel is by no means the same kind of um, um, xenophobic book that we found with Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, Daniel is much more open to um, outsiders being able to work into being able to um, contribute to God's people without being evil themselves. So that, you know, there's a basic humanity there. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, the countenance of the children that of the portion of the king's meat, as thou seest deal with thy servant. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. So a test. Science. Remember? Science. He's science Um. And they do the ten-day test. They look better than the uh, other children. And so... Um, he uh, switches them over to a more kosher uh, food for all the Jewish kids. So, uh, Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2 has a problem, and that is, he had a dream. It's a troubling dream, it was a nightmare, and he's forgotten it. (laughs) Um, And so all of the um, people that come to him, uh, they make up stuff, but they can't figure out what the dream was. Finally, uh, Daniel prays to God and receives a message about what the dream was. Let's see... Uh, In verse 20 it says, Blessed be the name of God forever and forever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge. So he is uh, praying to God and also testifying about God. Um Twenty-seven. The secret which the king hath demanded cannot, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. And so again, the uh, idea of witnessing to the Gentile. Um. and you beheld a great image this image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee and f- the form thereof was terrible this image's head was of fine gold the breast and his arms of silver his belly and thighs of brass his legs of iron his feet part of iron and part of clay uh, and so uh, this is interpreted as a succession of empires um each inferior to the last if you remember your basic ages of uh the earth in greek mythology there was the golden age and then the silver and then the bronze and then the brass i mean uh, iron iron age and each age is a little bit worse than the last this idea of history running downhill Okay, so uh chapter three is uh Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, in the uh in the fiery furnace, and uh because they will not worship the new idol that's been put up. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an idol of gold. Um he told everybody they had to bow down, and they didn't, and so there were people, um, the Chaldeans came near, and some of them, certain the Chaldeans. So there's some bad guys, but they're not all bad. Not all Gentiles are bad. Um, and they narc out uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're thrown into the uh, midst of the fire, uh, but they don't burn up. So it's a miracle of God. And they see the Son of God which, of course, Christians interpret as being um, Jesus, but there were other sons of God mentioned in the Old Testament. Remember, um, in Job 1, uh, Satan is among the sons of God coming and going uh, before God's court. Now let's look at the prayer, because this is where that falls. Okay, where did I put it? So here's the prayer of Azariah, um, Abednego, if you will. And they walked in the midst of the fire, praising God and blessing the Lord. And Azariah stood up and prayed in this manner, and he, opening his mouth in the midst of the fire, said... Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, thy name is worthy to be praised and glorified forevermore. For thou art righteous in all things as thou hast done to us, yea, true are all thy works, thy ways are right, and thy judgments truth. In all things that thou hast brought upon us, upon the holy city of our fathers in Jerusalem, thou hast executed true just judgment, for according to truth and judgment didst thou bring all these things upon us because of our sins." Um, So, yet deliver us not up wholly for thy name's sake, nor disannul thou thy covenant. So, he he makes claim back to the covenant between God and Israel, God and um, uh, Judah as well, Israel in the broader sense. And there is... You know, what happens after the apocalypse, after the zombies? You know, it's kind of Walking Dead. It's all about that. So everything up until now, the worst thing that could happen would be losing the kingdom, and yet life goes on. They didn't wipe them out. It wasn't a particularly cruel kingdom. Um, In their opinion... Uh, These Jewish kids are stubborn because why won't you worship our God? We're not keeping you from worshiping your God. We just want you to worship this God as well because that's what patriotic people do. Um, So they're trying to maintain their faith in the presence of opposition, Uh, some of it hostile, some of it just not really understanding that you can't worship both gods. You know, it's not permitted, not within their religion. So this idea of monotheism is kind of hard to um, to figure out. So... Um, within, you know, within the book of Daniel, um, proper, there are a lot of close calls that God then delivers them from through spectacular miracles, um... So in uh, chapter 6, we see Daniel, uh, probably the most, uh, one of the most famous uh, miracles of the Old Testament. Of course, there are a lot of good miracles, but this is one of the great ones. Uh, his enemies plot against him as he rises up um, in the uh, household of the king. Uh, other people begin to hate him, uh, not because he's Jewish, but because he's powerful. Um, but then the Judaism just becomes a pretext how can we use his Judaism against him and uh, that's where the plot comes in where they uh, concoct this scheme that's going to make Daniel have to choose between the king's decree and his own loyalty to his God We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they come before the pres, um, Darius, when a firm decree, whatsoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for thirty days, they save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So um, this is kind of self idolatry, but that's what kings do. Um, and he goes along with it, happy enough. Uh, and then, um, of course, Daniel is cast into the lion's den, but survives. Now, why did the king do that? Because his law couldn't, he couldn't break his own law. Um, but when God delivered him, then the king was happy, and he threw the bad guys in there, and the lions discovered how hungry they were. So... Uh, this is very miraculous now we're going to shift gears dramatically um, as we come to Susanna and Belle and the dragon because all this supernatural stuff just disappears and in this case um, these two cases three really um, the deliverance doesn't come from a outside, an outside supernatural source, a direct intervention which upends the laws of nature. Instead, God works through his man Daniel and Daniel's extraordinary insight and ability to get to the bottom of things. So this is where we see the thing about Daniel that made him rise up in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, what was it that was so sharp about him? So uh, Susanna is the story of a beautiful young married woman and uh, these two old goats uh, of Israel. So notice the bad guys here. Um, not, not, um, not the Chaldeans, not the uh soothsayers, anybody else. It's just bad Jewish people. So there are some of those too. Um and they sexually harass Susanna. Um try to get her to I think there's a defect with our Okay, uh Something's wrong with the packet, but I made a link for you to click on Susanna, uh, so look it up online. Uh, Part of the story is missing. Okay, so there are these two elders that see her, um, lust for her, and decide that um, they want to have sex with her. So they um, threaten her, this is what we'd call sexual harassment today, and say, if you don't agree to have sex with us, two old goats, uh, we're going to say that we saw you having sex with one of your handsome young servants. And because it's our word against yours, and the, by the uh, by two witnesses, the truth of something is established. Uh, then you will you will die. And she said, "Well, I'd rather die than uh, besmirch my honor." So indeed, they bring the. Um, the charge against her that they saw these two men having the sex with, uh, that they saw, these two men saw her having the sex with uh, one of her servants and under a tree, they were under a tree, I say a tree. Um, and the crowd's ready to uh, rush to judgment, carry out an honor killing, which still happens in parts of the world today. Um, And especially the uh, double standard is um, applied against, you know, this kind of penalty is meted out against women much more than it is men. Um, But in comes Daniel and uh, says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wouldn't be fair to just uh, rush to judgment without questioning these two very worthy gentlemen. And the Lord heard her voice. Therefore, when she was led to be put to death, the Lord raised up the Holy Spirit of a young youth whose name was Daniel. So this is within Daniel. So God's working through Daniel rather than some spectacular, like, defying the laws of nature about fire and lions. Who cried with a loud voice, "I am clear from the blood of this woman." Then all the people turned toward him and said, "What mean you these words, thou hast spoken?" Ah, uh, so he standing in the midst of them said, "Are ye such fools, ye sons of Israel, that without examination or knowledge of the truth ye have condemned a daughter of Israel? Return again to the place of judgment, for they have borne false witness against her." Um, he said. Uh, Separate these two. Put them aside far from another, and I will examine them. Um, so when he, they were put asunder one from another, he called one of them and said unto him, O oh, thou art waxen old in wickedness, now thy sins which have thou hast committed aforetime are come to light. For thou hast pronounced false judgment, and hast condemned the innocent, and hast let the guilty go free. Um... Now then, if thou hast seen her, tell me, under what tree sawest thou them companying together? Um, Oh my goodness, so uh, they didn't know which tree, which is like the old um, joke about the chemistry final that's been circulating tech for decades. Uh, (coughs) These two young men were out partying the night before a final and just were in no shape to take the final, so they came to their professor later and said we need a makeup because we had a flat on the way to school and says no problem here you go in this room you go in that room and the chemistry test had two questions what is the formula for water number one number two which tire (laughs) always get your lies straight um now this is the first, one of the very earliest, depending on when it was written, um, uh, maybe the second example that I've seen about a genre that's very popular, both in film and in television and in books. And that is the detective story or the mystery story mystery in this case being <coughs> something that a secret that needs to be uncovered um, so in a detective detects, and so Daniel comes in um, and figures out what 's really going on. Well, this is one of the most popular genres that we have is a detective fiction or, um, mystery fiction, um, every night of the week, every night of the week, you can turn on your TV and somewhere you will find a detective show going. And this would not be, um, the first example I've seen of this is, um, the Homeric Hymn to Hermes. And this is the second example I've seen. So, um, We won't really start to get off the ground until Edgar Allan Poe, and he only writes three detective stories about his Dupin, Um, and then, of course, the genre really takes off with Sherlock Holmes uh, by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, but there's certain characteristics of detective stories. For one thing, there are two subplots in each detective story. Plot A is the crime, which has been committed. Uh, Plot B is the solution. And so you have this uh, complex interweaving of the two subplots until they finally come together for a final showdown uh, right at the end of the story. Which tree! (laughs) Um, Now... It is this uh, doubleness of the uh, detective story that makes it so popular because with your crime group, you get somebody new in every week. Um, And then with the detectives, they come in. They're the same people week after week. And Doyle introduces the idea of a team. So Dupin is by himself. Daniel is by himself. Um, But once you have a team, then you can have the interactions of the team, the way their relationships unfold over time. So there can be an arc. um, You know, people get married, people die, people have babies. uh, All kinds of stuff happen to uh, the folks within the team as uh, seasons uh, roll forward. So you've got the familiar, you've got the new, perfect for a weekly, um, weekly one-hour show. Another two things to notice about um, uh, detective stories is they can be either open or closed. Now, um, open means we know who d- did it. The reader. Even though the people within the story trying to solve the crime do not, Uh, we do know this story. Um, The closed kind of mystery is when we don't know who did it either. Um, And so we have both of these. Uh, With Daniel, we have both of these. The first one is an open mystery. We know... The two old perverts are two old perverts from the very first. Uh, There's never any doubt about what the crime is or who's doing it. The only doubt is how can we save this woman from their vicious plot. Um, And it's kind of important that that one be open so that we know... Susanna is innocent and that raises the tension for us because if we think she might be guilty we might be the kind of people that think guilty people should be stoned to death um but we don't want innocent people getting um stoned to death so there's that the next story of Belle and the Dragon is a closed mystery um And that means we don't know what's happening. Something's eating the food in this, um, in Belle's uh, temple, but the doors are locked. It's it's the first closed room, locked room mystery. So um, the room is locked. Nobody can get in or out. So what is happening? And Daniel uh, throws down some ashes on the ground. And then... um, the next morning, when they go back in, in the night, they haven't noticed that they were trampling on the ashes. So he sees footprints, big footprints, little footprints. He sees where the secret compartment opened up. Um, and so he solves the crime, which is that the priests and their kids and wives were coming in and eating all that food. Yum. Um... So that's a closed one that he solves. One more thing to notice about these two types of mysteries, because these really are subgenres, um, um, is that in addition to being closed or open, you have different ways, different skill sets that various uh, detectives have in solving their crimes and eventually these will separate off into different jobs. So um, the way he solves the first case, the one with uh, Susanna, is more like one of those lawyer shows where through uh, clever legal reasoning, and in this case cross-examination, he reveals uh, gets to the truth of the, the crime, and this is the kind of stuff we used to see in Perry Mason, and it's, you know, every other lawyer show is just the same, so uh, he's kind of the um, the ancestor of that kind of show. The second crime, the uh, Bell and, um, where they're the kids in the the priests and their wives and their kids are coming in to eat the food. Sounds that much more like a CSI kind of case. We're going to get the footprints, uh, hard evidence, and um, you know, study the evidence and figure out what's going on based on that. So um, um, it's all right here. The whole uh, detective industry right here in these uh, two passages. Very fascinating. Um, that um, I'm very out of of character with um, the rest of the book of Daniel, which is all about uh, the most spectacular kinds of miracles that you can imagine. Instead um, uh, of God working these external miracles by overturning natural law, (coughs) God is working through his um, servant, uh, Daniel, and his... um, his intellect and um, his perception as in his empathy uh, so um, uh, it's a different kind of approach to um, the way God interacts with the world around us so um, in this version uh, Jewish people and other people of faith in uh in later interpretations uh, can make their way in the world if they're uh, if they're loyal to God and persistent and honest and diligent and have your basic set of virtues uh, that you go by as well as, um, you know, using your brain to your utmost. So I like these uh, passages, um, Susanna Bell and the Dragon.